Hi, I'm Adam, and I am the director of 5th through 12th grade ministry here at Lakeland, and I'm super excited to be here, uh, able to worship with you through the Word here this morning. So, this Sunday is a very awkward one on the calendar, isn't it? I mean, the fact that there's no one here in the sanctuary, and all of you are watching this from home for the first time since, what, June? That's probably our first clue. Maybe we could even call this Sunday the Hangover, Part 4, Christmas Edition. After weeks, even months of shopping and decorating and uh, baking, visiting and being visited, Christmas has now come and gone. After three straight days and three separate locations for my own family of Christmasing, I can tell that we're all now like, whew, what now? Now, we all know the very worst part, don't we? Somebody is going to have to put away the decorations. Those angels, the nutcrackers that looked so perfect just a few days ago, now glare at you when you walk into the room. They, they peer at you judgmentally as if to say, how much past New Year's are you going to leave us up this year, huh? But with all the good nature joking about the awkwardness of this time of year, there's a real seriousness to what I've begun to describe as well. The afterglow of the holiday season has shown up. And there is a hazy, gloomy darkness to it. This is certainly physically true. It's the darkest time of year. We have less daylight now than at any other time. And it's emotionally true as well. We're definitely diving headlong into those post-Christmas blues. Months of winter still remain with no real celebrations on the horizon. It's as if we're all living under the rule of the white witch in Narnia now. Always winter, never Christmas. Now, this can have a real effect on the human psyche. As many as 25% of Americans report experiencing increased anxiety and depression after Christmas. And as I thought about how best to paint a picture of this gloomy time of year, the phrase stuck out to me. We are entering the shadow of Christmas. The reality of our current situation does feel dark. There are many shadows looming over me personally these days. And from, com from conversations that I've had with many of you, it seems that I'm not the only one. We're living in the shadow of uncertainty it's difficult to know what to expect in these difficult times. So many of you are dealing with illness and deaths, uh, job problems, finance. It's just a, a very uncertain time. We're dealing, we're living in the shadow of conflict, violence begetting violence, anger, hatred, 
constant political and theological bickering. We're living in the shadow of isolation and loneliness. Our social circles have have exponentially tightened or disappeared altogether. And we all miss the relationships that we were created by God himself to have and that we all desperately need. And if any or all of this is resonating with you, my next question is, if we're all experiencing physical darkness and we're all experiencing emotional darkness, what are the chances that we're also facing spiritual darkness? I would venture pretty high. In the eighth chapter of the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah is given a vision by God. It's not a happy vision. (laughs) It's not a message that Isaiah wanted to deliver to the people. The prophecy is that the Assyrian army was soon to arrive and overtake and capture and carry away the people of Israel. Many would be killed and those who weren't would be exiled, separated from their family and friends and homes. Let's pick up in verse 5. The Lord spoke to me again. Because this people has refused the waters of Shiloah that flow gently and rejoice over Rezin and the son of Remaliah, therefore behold, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria and all his glory. And it will rise over all its channels and go over all its banks and it will sweep on into Judah It will overflow and pass on, reaching even to the neck. And its outspread wings will fill the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. Be broken, you peoples, and be shattered. Give ear, all you far countries. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand. For God is with us. And now skipping ahead to verse 21, Isaiah says about the people of Israel, they will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth. But behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. A shadow hung over Israel, just as it does us. Now, the people thrust into darkness. This is bleak, isn't it? This is serious and sad and even sounds hopeless. And if you're saying, oh no, isn't he comparing our situation currently to this? Yes, I am. And if that makes you shudder, or makes your heart quicken a bit, 
Well, that might be warranted. I think it would be a mistake for us to underestimate the darkness that we find ourselves in. And the question that we should absolutely be asking is where do we turn? What do we do? Where do we find our hope? What can save us from this darkness that surrounds us? Now, I have to tell you, I'm absolutely blown away by what comes next. I find this absolutely incredible. Because if we turn the page from Isaiah 8 to Isaiah 9, we find God's answer. The title heading to this chapter is, For unto us a child is born. Isaiah 9. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is a very famous passage. I'm sure that many of you have at least heard parts of this. And now that we know the context, this is absolutely incredible. The people are thrust into darkness. Their demise is imminent What can they do? Where can they turn? They call out to God and God says, there will be no gloom for those who are in anguish. For unto us, a child is born. Jesus. It's a prophecy of the coming of Christ. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light, God says. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, a great light has shown. God begins by assuring us that there is indeed hope. That there is an antidote to the darkness that we feel around us. And it's almost too simple, really, isn't it? How do we counteract the darkness around us? We need a light, of course. Why didn't we think of that? (laughs) But where can we find that light? Let's skip all the way ahead into the New Testament, to the book of John, chapter 1, verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. 
And again in John chapter 8, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, some of you might be thinking, yeah, 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 we get it. The answer is always Jesus. But, but what is this actually going to accomplish? We still have COVID. All of these issues still exist. Now, our problem here, and, and this is all of us, all of us are in this together is that we misunderstand and we mischaracterize the point of Christmas. If we expect that COVID is just going to magically disappear tomorrow, or that we wake up tomorrow and we go and look at our bank account and there's $25,000 magically there that wasn't there yesterday, or that, that we believe that, that we're all going to suddenly and instantaneously agree on who should be president, what that president should do moving forward, and how we're all going to just suddenly get along. Well, I do think we might be disappointed. The shadows aren't going to instantly vanish. So then what is the point? The point is that there is a light that we can see that we can come to, that we can bask in, that makes the darkness seem like nothing. The light is so bright, so glorious, so fulfilling, that we just won't really care as much about the darkness lurking behind it. We won't be afraid of it. We won't be angry about it we most certainly will not allow it to dictate to us who we are and how we live. If we truly understand Christmas, there will no longer be a shadow of Christmas to deal with. The truth and beauty of Christmas does not stop on December 26th. Because that first Christmas, God gave us more than a son. He gave us a truth that can absolutely transform us if we allow it to. God gave us the possibility of a new life, a light that can continue to extinguish the darkness and push the shadows farther and farther away with each passing day. Now, I'm not saying that this is going to be easy. The shadows... <laughs> The shadows will not just vanish on their own. They're going to fight back. When the world encounters darkness, when it sees and experiences pain and suffering, violence and oppression, it reacts in two different ways. It calls out into the dark abyss with two distinct voices. The first voice says, this has got to be someone else's fault. Point that out. Call it out. Judge before you get judged yourself. Have you heard this voice lately? Have you seen it online? 
I have everywhere. And from both sides of pretty much any issue that you could possibly point out. And that second voice, the second voice says, see, I knew it. God does not exist. God couldn't exist with a world as messed up as this one. Or even if he does, now we know for sure that God does not care. But when we remember, when we ponder, when we treasure in our hearts the reality of the incarnation, of a God who is so present to the suffering and well-being of his children that he would choose to enter this crazy world himself to be with us and to rescue us and to shine a light so that we might see what is really actually beautiful and true. When we allow that truth to guide us, we begin to hear a very different voice, a new voice, a voice that says, God is present. God cares very much about you. And he did not come to judge you, but to take away all judgment as he hung on a cross and said about those who put him there, Father, forgive them. So what is the way forward from Christmas? What can we actually do that will help us fight through the shadows? I'm going to give you three such things today. First, we admit that we need the light. Consider the first Christmas. Who were those who really worshipped Jesus? Those who needed what he was bringing. It was the weak, the broken, the unable, the poor and needy who looked into that manger and celebrated. No Pharisees came to worship the Christ child and certainly not King Herod. John 3.19 gives us a serious, if not shocking, warning. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And what were their evil works? First John 2.11 gives us more. But whoever hates his brother or sister is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. If we do not recognize our need for the light, we will continue to sit in darkness. The second thing that we can do, we admit that we are not the light and we cannot provide the light. There are a lot of voices out there these days telling us what can and will save us. But let us not be deceived. It is not us. It's not the government. 
It's not the markets. It's certainly not technology. It's not intellect or innovation or willpower. It's not even the church. Isaiah 9 told us that the people had seen a great light. Not that they had created light or that they realized that the light was was them the whole time. We are being made new, but we're not all the way there yet. We are the ones who have helped push the world into the shadows. And the Bible tells us that the only light is God. Finally, the third thing that we can do. We bask in the light and allow it to illuminate us. We make the pilgrimage to Bethlehem. We worship the baby boy, Christ the King. We experience the hope and peace that comes with the realization that God is actually in human form with us. And we allow that to change everything about who we are. We find the courage to take the world's disdain if we must, to give up our rights and liberties, to not seek our own fulfillment. Because Christmas means the end to thinking that we are better than someone else for any reason. Because the truth is, none of us could find our way back to God on our own. God had to come for us. Christmas means the end to having to stand up and defend ourselves or our honor. Because the truth is, the almighty God has already declared us worth risking everything for, even his own precious life. If we truly believe that, our identity and value will never again be in question. Christmas means the end to trying to overpower or outmuscle someone else to lift yourself up. Because the truth is, God lowered himself to unbelievable depths in order to lift you up to where you need to be. And when we begin to remember and believe that these things are true, I guarantee you, we will begin to show others where to find the light. Through Christ in us, they will see it and they will find it beautiful. A Welsh poet named R.S. Thomas wrote a hauntingly beautiful Christmas poem called The Coming. It begins, And God held in his hands a small globe. Look, he said. The sun looked. Thomas imagines here God the Father showing God the Son the created world. Let's continue. Far off as through water he saw a scorched land of fierce color. The light burned there. Crusted buildings cast their shadows. A bright serpent, a river uncoiled itself, radiant with slime. On a bare hill, 
a bare tree saddened the sky. Many people held their thin arms out to it as though waiting for a vanished April to return to its crossed boughs. In this world, the sun sees very clearly the darkness. He sees a world that is absolutely broken. It's the world we know. It's a world that we love and is worth fighting for, but that we know will be the death of us. Thomas imagines Jesus looking over this created world, loving it, being willing to fight for it, but knowing that it will be the death of him too. And how does the poem end? The son watched them. Let me go there, he said. Would you be willing to risk everything? A throne in heaven, a perfect relationship, even your own life to save a broken and despairing world. To rescue a people who stretch out their arms, not even knowing where to turn to for help. Christmas is Jesus' answer to this question. Let me go there, he says. The incarnation means that we must say with absolute certainty that God does indeed care. God became human. The son of God became the son of a carpenter. Trading in a throne in heaven for a dirty, smelly, manger, setting aside perfect triune love for a relationship with a people he knew would reject him and even kill him. And for what? Why would God do such a thing? To love us. To really, truly insanely beyond all reason, love us. This is the glory and the wonder and the peace and the hope and the joy of Christmas, everyone. You are loved. Intimately, passionately, adoringly loved by the almighty creator of the universe. May we never forget that. God saw the darkness closing in around you. He saw you stumbling around in the shadows and he said, let me go there. Let me bring a light that will shine so brightly for them that they can't help but to see it and be drawn to it. May that love be our light, friends the light that pierces through the darkness that we find ourselves in. This year, may there be no shadow of Christmas, no disorienting gloominess and hopelessness 
but only a path leading us forward to a new year and a new dawn. Christmas may be over, but the light of God shines on. For unto us a child is born, and he lives and reigns forever and ever. May the light of that truth guide us. May it warm our hearts, and may it show us a world that needs it now as much as ever. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the wonder, the glory, the incredible joy and hope and peace of Christmas. We do pray, God, that you will help us move forward in the gloominess, in the darkness, in the shadows that attempt to infiltrate our world in the days after Christmas. We need your light. We need the light of Jesus. We need it personally in our own lives, in our own hearts. We need it in our own families. We need it in this church. God, the world as a whole desperately needs it. And we pray to you this morning in hope and in faith, God, that you are faithful and that you will bring us the light that we need. You will light the darkness and the shadows will eventually become like nothing to us. It is in the light of Jesus that we all pray this morning. Amen.